Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, it is nice to be back with you for this edition of Dairy Stream. And today we're focusing in on conservation. And, you know, a lot of farmer-led conservation groups have been growing in popularity. Really, is a way for farmers to expand conservation practices and document their progress in water quality and soil health. Today, we're talking with experts behind a new resource for these organizations. It's called the Producer-Led Group Roadmap, Finding Success in Farmer-Led Watershed Organizations. And our three guests happen to be Rachel Rushman. She's a producer-led program manager at the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. Steve Richter, he's the director of Agriculture Strategies at the Nature Conservancy in Wisconsin. And Lauren Bry, director of Strategic Partnerships and Sustainability for the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance. And again, thank all three of you for giving us some insights on this very important subject. And Rachel, let's start out with you with kind of a workman's definition. Uh, What really is a farmer-led watershed as far as kind of the qualifications and requirements? The producer-led watersheds involve groups of farmers that are working to improve soil and water quality in their respective regions throughout Wisconsin. DECAP funds groups of at least five farmers working on conservation efforts for a max of 40000 per year. Each group must either work with UW Extension, Wisconsin DNR, a nonprofit organization, or their local land conservation department in order to qualify. So once a minimum of five farms is met, then actually any type of farm or or farm member or community member can be involved uh, in the projects. And just kind of a follow-up, are those watersheds growing here in Wisconsin? They are, yeah. So participation has doubled. We've gone from 14 groups in 2016, and now we're up to 28. And we expect more uh, groups to be forming in this coming year. And we now have triple the funding that we had um, since the start of the program. Well, that's certainly a very positive trend. And again, good to see that's happening, although I'm not surprised that knowing the commitment that the agriculture community does have for conservation. Uh, Steve, I want to ask you about the type of conservation practices that our farmers are really using and really how does the Nature Conservancy support those? The practices are primarily what I would call soil health practices and better nutrient management practices. And so I'll describe those briefly. Soil health practices are practices that farmers can implement in their crop fields, such as cover crops, planting a crop during the fall that will then stay green during the winter months, uh, reducing the tillage when they're planting their crops in the spring and and all the way reducing down to uh, ideally a practice called no-till, where they're not doing any tilling or breaking of the surface when they're planting their seeds. Another good soil health practice that the members of the farmer-led groups are are utilizing is um, nutrient management planning and and trying to improve or better use the the nutrients that they're either purchasing through commercial fertilizer or through the manure that their livestock produces. And that manure, as well as the fertilizer, is obviously very valuable 
in enhancing plant growth, but let's do it in ways that would minimize environmental impacts as well as be as efficient as possible in terms of, of cost so that they're not, quote, wasting um, nutrients. That brief snapshot of some of the practices these members of the pharma-led groups are doing. And the Nature Conservancy is playing a role through being a member of the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance, which I'm, I'm sure Laurel described shortly. And as a member of that alliance, we, the Nature Conservancy, are supporting five of the farmer-led groups financially through providing an annual gift to five of the groups that they can use for their cost share program. And that's a program that is really popular in all of the farmer-led groups across Wisconsin where it's an incentive, a, pay, a, a payment to the farmers to reduce the risk of, of using these practices on portions of their fields, to, you know, to give it a try, to see how it works, you know, to see how no-till works in terms of their, the operation, the yield, et cetera. So that financial gift is one aspect that we, we provide five of the groups. And then I, I think a, a second role the Nature Conservancy has played is we definitely try to help out staffing-wise where we see a role to be played, you know, working hand in hand with, with Laura and, and her staff as, as well. And, and so some of that work that I like to do is just trying to help the farmers, you know, create goals, establish ways of measuring outcomes uh, so that they can feel really proud of the work. They have um, a message or a story to tell. That leads me maybe to my to the last role that the Conservancy plays is that we're all about trying to help spread the, the, the good work that's taking place in the groups and, and we darn don't spread it. We, we spread away beyond Wisconsin to my colleagues throughout all of the states that uh, the Nature Conservancy, we have projects in and just getting them to understand that farmers you know, can play a really significant role in helping in, increase the productivity of our soils and doing it ways that, that minimize the impacts. This really is a very positive alliance, and I'm certainly glad that you're helping to not only support it financially, but you said cooperate with it and communicate the story of what is being done on our agricultural land and how it is benefiting not only the farmers, but their communities and that uh, how other producers can get involved. So, Lauren, what involvement have you seen around Wisconsin and how does the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance support farmer-led watershed groups? As Rachel mentioned, we have seen an increased interest in the concept of farmer-led conservation and watershed groups. And currently, our Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance, or DSSA, supports six farmer-led groups around the state. And we're really um, bringing together partners like the Nature Conservancy, our organization, DATCAP, and others who are interested in providing support for these farmer-led groups. So collaborating with the DSSA helps the groups make more efficient use of their time, and it also helps them work on uh, their image and them in achieving their goals. So really what it boils down to is we're serving as an incubator and support system for these farmer-led groups. We offer a variety of services that each group can choose from depending on their individual needs and what their goals are. Some of the things we do include administrative support, helping them with board meetings, providing communication support from social media to emails to website maintenance, press releases, and media management. We help them on their strategy and grant writing, also connecting them with experts. So like Steve mentioned, 
you know, the Nature Conservancy is out there to support farmers in their conservation journeys, and they have some resources, or whether that's connecting them with some of their local agronomists or with stat cap experts. It's really about bringing together not only the farmers in their community who want to work on conservation, but also others in their community who want to partner with the farmers and um, help them on their journey. So we're trying to bring all those players together uh, to help these groups be successful. And honestly, the roadmap that we've put together with Cap and the Nature Conservancy is a perfect example of something that we've done collaboratively to support farmers in their conservation efforts. And as you mentioned, Lauren, and Steve mentioned as well, we're talking as well about connections. So can you explain what type of events that farmer-led groups host to connect with other farmers and industry professionals? Field days and conferences and annual meetings are a few of the types of events that the groups we've worked with have held. Field days can be as simple as a one-hour meeting out in a farmer's field talking about one particular practice they've tried or they have been as robust as a half-day event with multiple stations and presenters and up to 100 attendees and media there for the event. So it really depends on each group and what their goals are, what type of events the farmers in that area like to go to, but we've seen a variety and it's really about just providing that opportunity for connection. So their conferences and annual meetings, typically those are held in the winter and those serve as another touch point for the group. Typically they'll have a couple of panel presentations or keynote speaker. It's also a great opportunity for the groups themselves to share with not only their members, but their community um, and others what they've done in the past year and their plans for the upcoming year. So kind of a recap of what they've done and plans for where they're going, sharing their successes and highlights of the year. But again, you know, it really depends on the group and their goals, but we have a few different types of events, again, field days or the conferences and annual meetings that seem to work well for the groups that we've, we've been working with. And you're listening to Dairy Stream. Our subject today is finding success in farmer-led watershed organizations. We have the pleasure of having Rachel Rushman with us, producer-led program director for DADCAP. Steve Richter, he's director of agricultural strategies at the Nature Conservancy in Wisconsin. And Lauren Bry, who is the director of strategic partnership and sustainability for the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance. We're going to be taking a break in just a moment. But before we do that, Rachel, I have one more question for you. And Starting a farmer-led watership group, obviously we heard from Steve and others before about the financial commitment involved. Really, how are these groups establishing their funding streams? Lauren kind of touched on this just a minute ago about the the collaboration piece. And one of the reasons I believe this program is so successful are the diverse partnerships that exist within the groups and across the group. And so groups really establish their funding streams, whether it's in-kind or otherwise, through these various partnerships that they have. As Steve and Lauren mentioned, they support the groups in various ways, and the groups would not be able to accomplish as much as they have without those partnerships. The producer-led groups also utilize other grant programs and sponsorship opportunities that are offered by nonprofits, whether it's local or, or national, and also through local, state, and federal grants and agreements as well. And we are going to take a break, but we'll be back with Rachel, Steve, and Lauren in just a couple of moments. When we come back, we'll talk about, from Rachel's perspective, what success she's seen from these groups and how DADCAP is involved. And Steve will talk a little bit about how farmers track their farming practices and outcomes. All that here on this edition of Dairy Stream. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. 
As a fifth-generation, family-owned business, GLC Minerals will continue to be here for you as your preferred mineral solution for your dairy operation. GLC Minerals provides calcium carbonate, calcium sulfate, and calcium magnesium carbonate, as well as customized mineral blends to best serve your needs for dairy cattle nutrition. We provide solutions to animal feed, bedding materials, barn lime, and more. At GLC Minerals, we are laser-focused on helping you work through and adapt to ever-changing conditions. Our commitment is to help keep businesses running by offering technical advice and excellent customer care. Let us know how GLC Minerals can help you today. Learn more at glcminerals.com. Welcome back to Dairy Stream. This program is a service of the Dairy Business Association and the Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. Today we're speaking with Rachel Rushman, producer-led program manager of the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. Steve Richter, he's the director of Agriculture Strategies at the Nature Conservancy in Wisconsin. And Lauren Bry, who is the director of Strategic Partnerships and Sustainability for the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance. And Rachel, before we took our break, I talked a little bit about uh, the success we've been hearing about these various groups. Can you tell us a little bit about what success you've been seeing and really how does DADCAP support these programs? So since 2016, when the program started, there's been a significant increase in the farmer leadership. The farmers that have chosen to be the farm leaders of these groups have really grown and developed over the years. And that's been really obvious with the level of programming and conservation that's getting done within these projects. There's increased participation by farmers to implement conservation practices, not only within the group, but also the the neighboring farms that are nearby group members. And so the reach is really going beyond just these projects, which is awesome to see. And a lot of this is happening through that farmer-to-farmer education, the mentoring. There's a lot of one-on-one conversations happening at these field days and conferences that they host. And then, obviously, they're bringing in experts also to talk about different topics so that farmers can learn more about conservation, the economics behind it, and what really makes these practices work and makes them effective economically and environmentally. So DACCAP supports these groups, obviously, by providing the grant funding through the producer-led grant program. As I mentioned, it's a max of 40000 per year. And then I'd like to mention, too, the roadmap that we put together with Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance and the Nature Conservancy, which, as Lauren said, is an awesome partnership and collaboration between our organizations. Talk about ways that existing groups can be more effective in their projects and also a guide for group on how to form if they are just starting out. We also provide several outreach opportunities. So we have a farmer-led webinar series, which features farmers from the producer-led network. And that's talking about the ins and outs of conservation practices that they're using. We have a regional network, which is fairly new because we're trying to encourage information sharing more locally. Uh, We do an annual workshop every year to share ideas and invite experts to talk about relevant topics to help groups become more effective. And then all of this information also can be found on the DATCAP producer-led webpage. So if people are looking for the roadmap, they can find it there. And again, that is one of our central focuses during this podcast. It's the producer-led group roadmap, finding success in farmer-led watershed organizations. As you just heard from Rachel, there are some outlets that can help you find more details about this program. Plus, obviously, the organizations represented in our conversation today uh, also uh, have their information on their websites as well. Steve, obviously, when you're trying to measure things, there's got to be various tools that are used to determine just how well the program 
programs are doing. So from your perspective, can you tell us how do farmers track their farming practices and outcomes and what kind of tools are actually used to, to judge the progress they're making? This is one, I think, of, a, of many chapters in that roadmap, and this is a good chapter because, to me, the, the Nature Conservancy really wants to, to ensure that these groups are successful, and one way they can be successful is by measuring their impact. And what we really encourage the groups to do is measure the impact right from the get-go, right from the start, so they have a baseline of where they stand at the beginning and things such as the use of the practices I alluded to earlier, like how many of their members are using cover crops and how many acres of cover crops were put into place, say, in 2019. You know, a couple of examples. One of, one of the groups is a group in Sheboygan County, Sheboygan River Progressive Farmers, and 33 farmers are members and all 33 members utilized cover crops in, to, in 2019. And that's a great story to tell. And we want to make sure we're tracking, you know, such stories such as acres of practices, number of farmers utilizing the practices. And we do that. One simple tool to get at that is an annual survey that is done by many of the farmer-led groups done in the fall as part of the farmers tracking, you know, how many of them are seeking some of the cost share program funding to try these practices. Well, let's make sure we also ask them, you know, well, how many acres did you utilize? And what, what we've really found is that the cost share funding gives them that bit of reducing that risk and they, they end up putting many, many more acres into good conservation practices than what they're just getting, uh, you know, a cost share incentive for. And so the, the funding goes a long way and farmers are, you know, really stepping up and with more confidence utilizing these practices. A couple other tools I can mention that we're just getting started, uh, again, kind of testing out with a select group of the projects are utilizing the nutrient management planning software used in Wisconsin called SNAP. And it's a modeling work that can really, again, most effectively tell the farmers where and how much fertilizer manure they can put on their field. Well, we can use that software, that modeling work to say, hey, with these new soil health or conservation practices in place, say, oh, in the the Peninsula Pride farmer-led group in Dora-Kiwani County, over 10,000 acres of cover crops were used uh, in 2019 uh, on fields, and cover crops are really good at reducing soil loss and nutrient loss from their fields. Utilizing that modeling, we can estimate then the reduction in tons of soil coming off their fields or pounds of phosphorus coming off their fields because of a practice like cover crops. And the modeling is really tailor-made to each watershed, to the topography, to the weather, to the soils of each watershed. And so it gives us a, a, a really good indicator. It's an estimate, but a really good estimate of the impact um, these farmers are doing by utilizing these good conservation practices. And a, a, fi- a final tool that is being tested out in, in one of the farmer-led groups is called Field to Market. 
and it's a sustainability measure of a variety of sustainability metrics such as water quality, soil health, energy use, greenhouse gas emissions, and land use. And it's, again, a way of really helping the farmers understand where their farm ends today on a number of those metrics that I just mentioned, and how can, through the continual improvement that farmers are really seeking to do on their farms, they can change or improve the metrics of state energy use or reducing water quality impact. So that sustainability measure is one that is really recognized nationally by a lot of global brands such as Nestle, General Mills, Cargill, etc. And so they want those types of scores from their farmers to in turn tell consumers that yes, the food that's being produced, that's being utilized on dairy farms or farms in Wisconsin is being grown in, in sustainable ways. And we have the data, you know, to show that. And so farmers are really good at tracking data and we're, we're helping them do that. Well, thank you, Steve, for that answer. I think it shows to our listeners there are a lot of tools in the toolbox that are being used to just measure how successful these programs are, where they have been, and where they're going. And obviously, we're talking today about producer-led groups roadmap, and that's what a roadmap is for, from gets you to the point A to point B. And that's what this podcast is doing to try to direct you on the road of how and where we are when it comes to uh, watersheds in the upper Midwest, in particular in Wisconsin. One of our guests is Lauren Bry. And Lauren, let's talk a little bit about uh, to be successful, you have to be well organized. And with any organization, you know, there's a lot to manage between communications, events, memberships, sponsors, etc. Really, how do these groups stay organized? That is very true, Mike. It can definitely be a lot of work to keep any organization going, especially when you're relying on farmer volunteers who are busy trying to farm and manage their businesses every day. And that's where the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance comes in. We are here to help the groups that we work with succeed and meet their goals. So we can provide a variety of services for the group based on their needs. And we try to be flexible in our approach and really, really nimble from managing member lists communication support like emails, social media, websites, press releases. We do a lot of event planning support behind the scenes, working with the group members to plan every aspect of whether it's field days or annual meetings, etc., helping them get their message out to their community. And again, as I mentioned earlier, providing connections to experts and support systems like the Nature Conservancy. Being a member of the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance can really bring value to these groups in, in a variety of forms. And that's what we're here to do is from behind the scenes office work for the group to big picture strategy, ideas, and support. Some of the other groups that DATCAP supports can partner with other organizations as well. You know, they don't just partner with nonprofits like the DSSA, but they might be working with Discovery Farms or NRCS or their local extension agents or land conservation departments. So it really just depends on the group of farmers, what their needs are and who their partners are in the area. But 
our goal is to have the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance be um, a trusted resource for our farmers and their work. And really, the roadmap also provides examples and ideas for groups to consider from partners to work with, like us, to all the different things that do need to happen behind the scenes that oftentimes when you have a great idea and you're trying to get a group started, you might not think about. Um, But as you get down the road, you should really consider such as, you know, should we have a newsletter, making sure you get a website or having an email platform or, you know, thinking through what types of events you want to host or how you're going to fund your your organization. So again, those are all things that are detailed in the roadmap and that the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance can provide support to the groups in. That is Lauren Bry. She's with the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance. She, along with Rachel Rushman from DadCap and Steve Richter from the Nature Conservancy in Wisconsin, are our guests on Dairy Stream. We've been focusing in on finding success in farmer-led watershed organizations and talking about a producer-led group roadmap. And again, there uh, will be ways that you can connect to that to get more information. Our time, unfortunately, goes rather quickly. And Steve, you've done a very good job of giving us some thorough information, but I'd just like to kind of just talk to you on the subject of continuing improvement when we're talking about priorities and learning opportunities. What are farmers really focusing on today and you hope into the future? They're focusing on how to to make these soil health practices like cover crops, reducing their tillage, changing their crop rotations, and uh, tweaking their nutrient management planning. They're really trying to learn how does that work on their farms. And in some ways, that's things like how do I set up my equipment, you know, properly to make it work? How do I, you know, get the right seed mix or what is the right seed mix for, for the cover crops? And it's this learning from peer to peer, farmer to farmer, um, that these farmer-led groups really encourage or give that uh, give farmers the ability to go to field days, to to ask questions of each other, to really help understand these soil health practices. And they're doing those practices because, in some ways, it, a, a priority to them is obviously reducing their um, the environmental impacts of, of of farming, but as well as how can I increase the productivity and the the health, the organic matter, the water capacity holding ability of my soil so that my farm will be more resilient for generations to come, for the next generation down the line. And and so it's about staying sustainable economically as well as environmentally that really resonate with the discussion that these members are having amongst the groups. Rachel, we all know that there's that wonderful thing you do at the end of the year, and that's the annual report or your summary of work. When it comes to the farmer-led watershed groups, um, you know, how do they compile this and what does this consist of and who really prepares it? Ultimately, each group is responsible for preparing their own report, and who does that really depends on the group. And what Steve and Lauren had mentioned about their annual survey, that helps immensely with getting the information needed to fill out this um, DATCAP report. And so we look at quantitative and qualitative deliverables, and so we're asking for the number of acres of conservation practices installed, what types of practices, how many events were held, and what they 
they consisted of, how many partnerships were formed. And then if they do have the information available, we also are asking for nutrient and sediment reduction numbers using various models like the SNAP Plus model that Steve mentioned or something called STEPL. And then we also ask for things like success stories and really getting at how they increased their membership and what, what they have found to be what they learned the most that year and things like that. So that helped us put together our biannual impact report for the entire program. And then I will mention too that we have recently developed a tracking project that uses SNAP Plus software and we are helping the groups measure their potential impact on reducing soil erosion and phosphorus and nutrient loss through that tool. And so that's something that uh, we will be implementing um, this year and in all future grant years. We appreciate all your insights. You did an outstanding job of kind of clarifying this roadmap, which for some of us are difficult maps to read, but this one is pretty clear. And I think what's so exciting about it, it is not a finite road we're traveling. There's a lot of you know forks to it. There's a lot of different ways you can travel it. And there seems to be a never-ending building on this road that certainly is going to help improve not only uh, the nature of how we farm, but uh, the industry itself. And just in closing, I want to ask, all three of you for some simple advice you have for a group of farmers who might be looking out to just take their first steps on this road and establish a watershed. And I'm going to start with you, Lauren. What would your advice be? My advice to any group of farmers looking to get involved in a farmer-led conservation group or learn more about conservation is make sure there are several of you interested and motivated to help make it successful and also reach out to partners to help you. With a group of dedicated and committed supporters and um, committed farmers, you can make great progress, but don't try and go it alone. There are plenty of resources out there like our producer-led group roadmap and contact us here at the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance. If you want to learn more and you need some support in getting started, we're happy to help. And Rachel, your insight and advice? What I've found um, over the years that have really made groups the most successful are a couple of things. One would be this definitely having strong farmer leadership. That is a huge part of what makes these groups successful. As I mentioned, the partnerships and having diverse partnerships. And then with that, diverse funding sources so that you have the, the DATCAT funding, but you're able to fund other projects with different types of funding sources. Having an outreach component, so doing things like field days and conferences and one-on-one mentoring is super important. And then ultimately that tracking of progress so that they can report on their success and we can help share their success. And Steve, your advice to farmers looking to start a watershed? My advice is, is we need your help. We want you to be successful, and but in order to be successful, you need to be working to solve these challenges that we face in terms of feeding a, a, you know, a growing global population and in doing it in ways that will minimize the environmental impacts to our water, to our soil, etc. And the, the best folks to have at the table are the farmers. They're the ones, they are the stewards of our land. And they have the solutions and the ideas that can work and would work on a farm. And so I encourage them to get involved. And the farmer-led groups are, to me, an excellent way of 
getting involved in passing on your knowledge as well as gaining new knowledge. And we need you more than ever today and so fortunate to be working with, with them as well as the, the partnerships that take place throughout the state of Wisconsin. Well, we certainly feel fortunate to have three outstanding guests like we've had today on our podcast. Again, thanks to Steve Richter, Director of Agricultural Strategies at the Nature Conservancy in Wisconsin, Lauren Bry, Director of Strategic Partnerships and Sustainability for the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance, and Rachel Rushman. She is the producer-led program manager at the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. This gets us to the end of our road when it comes to today's dairy stream. But again, the journey on the producer-led group roadmap is just beginning. Even though we've made good progress, there is a lot of territory to cover. And today has given you kind of a good roadmap and information on where you can travel as we continue with our commitment in the area of conservation. I want to thank all those of you for listening to today's edition of Dairy Stream. A special thank you to Joanna Guza for producing our program. We wish you a quality day. And again, we'll talk to you in the future on Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us, podcast at dairyforward.com. 